Hello and welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast coming at you live on Tuesday the 20th, all the way from Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm sitting across from my main man, Christopher T. Barty, who's all the way in Perth. B-Train, how are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm good, Pat, but i tell you what, um, Joffre Archer hit Steve Smith in the neck and he gave me a headache. Yep. By osmosis, Bardo. That's how fast that ball was. That's how hard it hit him. Uh, by osmosis, Pat, because we've just got the sad news just before we come to air, uh, mm, or, uh, just mm. before we start recording it. Steve Smith is out of the next test match. Not ruled uh, uh, fit to play. So yeah. Australia's just going to lose a casual 126-run uh, average performer um, for the next test. Um, uh, I'm sure as the episode goes on, Pat, we're going to dive into... Just how we're going to bridge that gap. Um, we're going to need a fair bit of the old Sally's handy, handyman to uh, to glue that back together. Um, now, but I can already hear Simon and Garfunkel in my ears saying it's going to be a bridge over troubled water. And let me tell you, Chris, mm. it's going to be a bridge the size of the Golden Gate. Maybe two Golden Gates. Maybe that giant bridge in China that they are currently building between two countries. Oh, it's going to be a big bridge, Big Chris. bridge. Potentially... Driven by Marnus Labashagni, Marnus Labashane, colloquially known as Shaggers. Shaggers. Uh, I've recently heard, right. which is warming the cockles of my heart. Mm. Mm. Well, that'll work for the purposes of this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll work just fine. Um, look, huge story. So, not sure how we're going to make the coverage happen, Pat. Uh, hopefully, uh, we get some bright ideas over the, over the course of the next 45 minutes. Um, because I'm sure the Australian selectors are scratching their heads at the moment. Um, potentially, we're a little bit light on in the batting stocks. Yeah, potentially, Chris. And also, we've got a feel for Spinksy here. Now, Spinksy's deadline for his tape was 5 p.m. today, mm. Thailand time. The news came out at 6. Um, so, I'm not sure if it's going to be covered in his tape or not. So, when Spinksy comes up, folks, just give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, give him the old benefit of the doubt. Uh, Chris, outside of that, what did you make of the test match? The uh, draw with the palms at Lords. Well, utterly scintillating cricket, wasn't it? Um, scintillating, Bardo. Scintillating. Joffre Archer lived up to his billing. Uh, just not often that uh, someone uh, uh, you know can enter the international cricket stage uh, and make such an impact. Uh, clearly, uh, the number one strike bowler for England at the moment, and that's saying something uh, given uh, the performances abroad and works in the previous tests and of course uh, Stuart Broad's international experience overall um, but I gotta say Pat you know public enemy uh, public enemy the the 80s uh, hip-hop uh, cultural uh, touchstone uh, had a had a <laughs> song Pat uh, don't believe the hype well oh. I gotta tell you I'm believing it I'm believing it when it comes to Joffrey Archer I'm <laughs> believing the hype hook line and sinker I'm in um, that guy is utterly terrifying um, and I feel like every time he bowls he's going to take a wicket or, or um, you know do some damage and he's almost single-handedly um, uh, changed the course of the series potentially yeah. I mean how often how often are you one nil up going into the third test uh, feeling as if you are uh, on the back foot not too often but uh, that's what uh, Joffre Archer has done uh, to Australia. Um, that being said, mate, you look obviously some terrific individual performances um, throughout the course of the test. I think the fact that we were um, only really had uh, sort of two and a half, three days play at a stretch, the fact mm. that we were nearly able to conjure a result and, and uh, make it uh, scintillating right up to the last ball um, speaks volumes of, of these two teams. And I believe it was Sarov Ganguly that came out and said that the Ashes is single-handedly saving Test cricket and that other nations now need to step up their game. Um, and I've got to say, not a bad shout. Not a bad shout. Not a bad shout, Chris. Mm. I mean, we can guarantee that if Test cricket was like this all the time, that everyone would be watching it every single moment of the day. And, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons to 2005. There's been a lot of comparisons to Bodyline. Um, and it's safe to say, Bardo, I am strapped in and can't wait for the next test to start. 
Um, but I think we should hear from Tom K. Hawkey, our English correspondent for a bulletin from a Brit, and uh, see what an English perspective of this whole situation was. How would you feel about that, I think that That's a superb uh, idea, Pat. And I'll tell you what, if there's one man where I am also willing to suspend my belief of the hype... <laughs> Well, suspend my disbelief of the hype. Sorry, I take it back. Suspend my disbelief of the hype. It is when Tom K. Hawkey supplies us with his um, episodic bulletin from a Brit. All right, let's fire him up. Here he is. Hi there. Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. And breathe. With the exception of the last 10 overs of the World Cup final, Test cricket is unparalleled in the tension and drama departments that we lost close to two full days play and still managed to end with a nail-biter is testament to both the format and the poor form of the two teams batting. Add in a pitch that had a little bit of something for all the bowlers and this was a classic. When you have a draw in test cricket, you invariably try to determine who won that draw. As the rain fell on the final morning, the general view was that England's chances of winning were diminishing. The fact we then ended with the drama of a potential English victory suggests they were the happier team heading to Headingley. The English middle order found their form. Butler still looked scratchy, but he stayed in, and time in the middle is crucial for regaining form. Bairstow hit a 50 and a quickfire 30 not out, and Stokes followed his 50 in the first test with a scintillating century on the last day here. Whilst he offered chances early on when batting in the gloomy evening of day four, he was watchful early on day five before moving through the gears spectacularly. He reclaimed the form we saw the last time England played at Lords on a Sunday. It seemed, however, nobody told him that ties in test matches aren't settled with boundary counts as he began peppering the crowd towards the end of his innings. Okay, it's the fourth paragraph of my bulletin, and it's high time I mentioned one J.C. Archer. It's hard to remember a more exciting debut for an English player. Coming into the match, people questioned whether he could maintain his intensity for a prolonged spell, whether he could return for second and third spells, and whether he could produce the same pace across consecutive days. I think we got our answers pretty emphatically. The barrage he bowled to Smith was test cricket at its best. Finally, we saw an English bowler rattling the Aussie great. The crowd were baying for blood, but all fell silent when the ball reared up and struck Smith on the back of his neck. Stomachs dropped as we recalled the tragedy of Philip Hughes' death five years ago. Thankfully, Smith was able to return to his feet and only had to come off the ground retired hurt. You have to marvel at the balls of the guy to return to the battlefield just 40 minutes later. It remains to be seen how rattled this will make him in the long run. Certainly, shouldering arms to the ball that trapped him in front was hugely uncharacteristic, but then the guy was concussed. English fans know too well the impact that one ball can have on a batsman. Stuart Broad has not been the same with the bat in his hand since he top-edged the Varon Aaron bouncer into his grill. But back to Archer. Hold up, TK. Um, um, lots of stuff there, Chris. Mm. Lots of really good stuff from Tom, as per usual. Um, and look, that's let's talk firstly about the spell from Joffre Archer yeah. of that short pitch bowling. I think at end of day three. Yeah. Um, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. And we haven't seen hostility like that and accuracy like that from an English bowler since Steve Harmison. Mm. There's been a lot of comparisons to Mitchell Johnson mm-hmm. in fourteen fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really quite extraordinary. Um, it was the first time we've seen Steve Smith hopping, mm. and it, it kind of showed him to be not some time-traveling robot sent back in time mm. to hit balls and take names, but an actual real human being. Mm. Um, and it it showed a, a small degree of a, a way England could go at him. Um, Chris, what what are your thoughts on that whole event and and TK's hypothesis that it could affect Smith in the long run? Well, I mean, that is the million-dollar question. Uh, I, I think that'll show uh, the, the greatness of Smith. How do you come back from something like this? Um, you know, by all accounts, he was ready to, to um, bat um, AMA against medical advice um, pretty much straight away. So... Look, I'm not too sure there'll be too many mental scars there. I don't think that's the 
I don't think that's necessarily in Smith's uh, genetic makeup. Um, uh, really interesting, isn't it? The we, we make a lot of Bradman comparisons with Steve Smith. Um, we do. The last great Australian batsman where they clearly went at the body, uh, of course, was Bradman uh, in, yeah. with body line. So um, there's almost another parallel there where um, England um, have acknowledged that they have struggled um, to find ways in order to dismiss Steve Smith and have gone opted for uh, out and out hostile pace um, in the form of this time in the form of um, uh, Jofra Archer. Um, that being said, though, um, look uh, right up until uh, the injury for for Smith, which, uh, as Tom says, was uh, horrific and um, haunting um, to watch, and um, I think alarming for everybody at the time. Um, right yeah. up to that point, it was uh, fascinating, a fascinating battle. Um, and certainly, uh, for me, it uh, was reminiscent of the, uh, the spell in the 2015 World Cup. I, I forget the Pakistani bowler's name, but... Um, oh, yeah, Wahab Riaz Wahab against Riaz, Shane Watson. of course, um, who, who went uh, fairly fiery, as you say, against Shane Watson. So, look, I think um, that's part and parcel of... of test cricket i mean that's what makes it so enjoyable to watch and i think that's it's one of the things that um has made this test series so far so so captivating is because runs are hard to come by um you know we've just finished a world cup a 50 over world cup where runs weren't all that difficult to come by um although not as easy as some would have thought uh but now we're seeing the power going slightly back in the hands of the bowler and i think that that's what Test cricket's been calling out for and crying out for for a long period of time is a more even battle between bat and ball, um, and I think that uh, you know certainly for the new, the neutral um, the that spell up until uh, the injury was was fascinating to watch and hopefully um, Smith recovers uh, um, fully um, speedily uh, and is uh, is back in action as soon as possible. Um, and butter, you know, there's been a bit of chat, mate. There's been a there's been a bit of chat on uh, our various group chats about how the bouncer and the bowling at the body should be removed from the game. That that uh, spectators are sick of seeing great sportsmen unable to play due to injury mm. um, sustained by bowling, and it is a potential life threat. So why do we allow it? Um, and I guess that my thought on that is that. To remove the bouncer, to remove the short pitch, to remove the body line delivery makes bowlers like Jofra Archer and his ilk uh, toothless. It, it makes them, in a lot of ways, obsolete. I mean, what would it be to stop you to have eight spinners in your side? Mm. Um, is well, that going to be a more effective mode of dismissal? You know, like, I think, I, I, I think the ability to intimidate is is worth it. Look, I, I, that's I, I think that's an interesting point that you make. And I think in terms of... Uh, um, cricket if that was to be the case you'd have to make some other concessions because bowlers are already penalized for bowling wide um if we're going to penalize them for bowling straight um then there's really not too many other places that they can bowl um i mean you're really asking them to to hit a uh, to hit a five cent piece every time um so there'd have to be some other concessions uh put in place whether that's the being, you know, whether that allow it would be the batsman being given permission to um, be given out LBW uh, for a ball that's pitched outside leg stump, um, or, or something of the like. Uh, that may be uh, a concession, but uh, as I said before, it'd be a whole structural change. Yeah, to you'd, the have, game, you'd, you'd have to allow. Be a nightmare. You'd have to make a concession somewhere else, and and I think as I said before. Um, what we've seen, or certainly what we saw up until the injury, was um, a, a tremendous battle between bat and ball, scintillating Test cricket. Um, I don't, I, I don't think Steve Smith himself would support such a notion. So, um, you know, and and at the end of the day, too, the other consideration is that he didn't, Steve Smith didn't have on neck neck guards. Um, yeah, and that to me, which is, probably should be mandatory, really. Probably should be mandatory. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to why they're not. Um, so I think that that is a better measure to protect the batsman um, uh, rather than um, uh, reducing the number of short balls that a bowler can bowl. I agree, Chris. Let's hear some more from Tom. This pitch was rated by Crickviz as 2.3 for pace. The upcoming Headingley pitch is rated at 6.5. You think Jofra was hostile at Lords? Just you wait. 
Add in the fact that he's only 24 and his actions seem so silky smooth that injuries are hard to imagine, famous last words, <laughs> and batsmen around the world might be starting to lose sleep. However, one inspired cricketer does not a test team make. The absence of Steve Smith had everyone wondering whether Australia's fragile batting would hold up, but Labuschagne showed that the squad has depth. As a side note, if Smith returns, then surely Labuschagne is better at three than Kawaja. There were other signs of improvement for England. As mentioned before, the middle order found their rhythm, Leach provided better control than Moeen, and Broad is still producing quality opening bowling. We've got the kernel of a world-class team, but we're not there yet. Joe Denley has no place in the team for me. He can't keep making pretty 20s and 30s before getting out, and taking the odd world-class catch isn't enough to justify his place. In fact, it's a quirk, but Joe Denley is actually an anagram of James Vince. <laughs> Jason Roy had a test to forget. His three-ball duck, <laughs> a two, and the drop dolly in the slips. <laughs> Joe Denley's an anagram of James Vince. I don't think that's at all true, yeah. but I really yeah. like the idea. I saw you trying to work it out, and I was like... <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to work out the... There's no uh, V there, mate. The, the, the linguistics on that. Um, not sure that it uh, it's quite there, but certainly a... Uh, uh, well, there might be an analogy in there somewhere, but uh, that's the most I could, I could award that, I'm afraid. Oh, DK, he's the best. Uh, let's hear some more, yeah. And they drop Dolly in the slips. If he doesn't show he's capable in the next test, it's hard to see him continuing in this form of the game. And finally, Joe Root. He still looks unconvincing, both in terms of captaincy and with the bat. He was dismissed in the second innings for the first golden duck of his career. I'd like to see him lose the captaincy and be allowed to drop to his favoured position of four. The openers are too fragile, and he's finding himself in the middle far too quickly. He is a world-class batsman, the best in the team, but circumstances are preventing him from showing that quality. So, do England have a chance now? Well, Australia also- Hold up, TK. Sorry, mate. I know you're on a roll there. Um, Bono, can we just rewind mm. and, and say that Tom just called for Joe Root to be dropped from the captaincy? Yeah. Yeah, huge call. That's, huge, that's call. a huge call. It's a massive, massive call. call. Massive call. I mean, I support uh, dropping him down to four. That makes a lot of sense. But, sure. But, but removing the captaincy? Holy moly, Bardo. Uh, Holy moly. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about England's performances um, against other test-playing test nations to have enough of a um, sample size of Joe Root's captaincy. Uh, interesting call. Um, I'm just not sure... Um, who in the current test makeup for England would replace him as captain? Yeah. Um, Butler, Bairstow. Well, you can't I mean, have any of your thing. top three. There's been question marks over both Butler and Bairstow's performances and, and where they fit in this English makeup um, in, in the longer form of the game. Um, yeah, I just, Stokes? Stokes is, it, well, certainly a possibility. But He's only he, been in the team for about a couple of months. I mean, that's a huge well, responsibility and, to give and, that guy. You know, obviously um, has been welcomed back to the. To the the fold of the, the leadership um, but do you really want a, a guy to be responsible for batting bowling and and uh, and captaincy I mean well perhaps they think he's an Ian Botham type um, maybe perhaps they think he's he uh, did work for Botham was he Macram but uh, I'm not too sure Alan Border yeah let's hear some more from Tom mate that's a huge call let's see if he, he backs himself here don't look quite as intimidating as they might Whilst Cummins is tearing it up with 13 wickets in two matches, and Siddle looked really fired up, the drop catches by Warner and appalling DRS reviewing by Payne show that there is weakness in this Aussie team. Payne's DRS career stats as captain are four successful reviews out of 29. Only Kane Williamson has a worse percentage. Hold up, TK. Wow, Chris. Yeah. Wow, that's terrible. That's, uh, there's a fair few specula speculative uh, efforts there, I think. Um, <laughs> of, mate, he speculates more than my old man on the stock market. He's um, yeah. he's diving into two-cent gold stocks there. That's yeah. that's not going to be good for your long-term financial career. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> old penny, old penny stocks pain. Um, old penny stocks pain. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Hell's certainly some tea. speculative efforts. I, um, I wonder if that's symptomatic of... Um, the need, particularly against, say, India, 
to use the review to search for a wicket. Um, and as I said, I think maybe the results might be skewed. To go into to, to go into bat here for Tim Payne, the result those results may be skewed because Australia, particularly against India, um, uh, and Pakistan in Pakistan, and Pakistan in Pakistan, uh, were searching for a wicket at times. Um, but it's, look, it is it, it's not an ideal statistic. So either Australia is not <laughs> not taking enough wickets, or Tim Payne is tr- just a really poor judge of the DRS review, which is. Worrying, given that he has the best position to make such a review. To, yeah. So, yeah. And um, um, while we're on the topic, mate, Davey Warner's catching was horrific. Mm. It was really, 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 really bad. Um, and, you know, I couldn't work out why that bloke was at slip when he spent his entire career prowling the covers. Mm. But we'll probably hear some more about that from Spinksy. So let's not dive too deep. Um, let's, let's, Tokyo, Tom's got about a minute here. So let's just hear the last of this English perspective. Not only does Payne get it wrong when he makes the T-sign, he then misses the ones that would have actually been overturned. Twice, Lyon had LBW calls turned down that would have actually been overturned on review. However, that says as much about Payne's judgement as the pathetic umpiring we've seen so far in the tests. I'm looking at you, Alim Dar. Yeah, hold up there, Tom. Sorry, I'm interrupting him a lot this time. But I wanted to say this since the start of this pod, Chris, Mm. not the start of this whole series of podcasts, but at least since the start of this series, Alim Dar is not up to it anymore. Alim Dar (laughs) is not up to it. Right. Um, I'm really sorry to be as cut and dry about this. And I know umpiring is a really tough job and they have a hard go at it and everyone gives them a lot of stick. And here I am as a part of the media machine, Chris, as a part of the Mm -hmm. mainstream media machine, right? The fake news media Mm -hmm. coming in and cutting him down. But Alim does got to go, Bardo. He's got to go. He has not been up to scratch in test matches for a long time. Um, Old mate Wilson is in his like second one. I mean, this is the highest stakes test series of such a long time between two of the most major test playing nations first test of the championship mm. first test with a whole bunch of new rule introductions and you're giving us these blokes a bloke who's on the end of his career and a bloke on his bloody debut mm. what, what are we doing here ICC pull it together mm. put Alim on the bench and give us some other options that's Morant yep 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 um I miss yeah Steve Buckner like early Steve Buckner would be oh, where's early Steve Buckner maybe not late Steve where's Buckner Billy? but early, early Steve where's Buckner Billy would be Bowden? good um, maybe even a bit of Billy who's that Aussie Billy Bowden oh, to- Toffnell T- uh, Simon Taufel you know. well, I, I think the Taufel. rules prevent us now- from having an Australian umpire Ugh. so we'll never get Simon Taufel I know that's very disappointing because he's very good mm. yeah but certainly is the some, Mara- some Billy Erasmus might be alright Mara- Erasmus oh, some Billy yeah anyway yeah. I'll stop ranting about it now. Let's go back to Warner's woes are not restricted to catches. He's now made four consecutive single-figure scores. He's been out to broad three times for a total of 11 runs off 29 balls. Compare that with the last two Ashes series combined, where broad bowled a total of 309 balls at him for 139 runs and never took his wicket, and it's clear that broad now holds the hoodoo over Warner. After Sandpaper Gate... Warner was always my favoured pantomime villain of the three, so seeing him fail here is wonderful to watch. However, the balance between the two teams is still in favour of the Aussies. I see us winning the next test. Archer will still be fired up, and Smith will be either absent or playing, but not 100%. I just don't believe we have what it takes to win another, and then at worst draw the fifth. This series will either end 3-1 Australia or 2-2, both results that will see England lose the Ashes for the first time at home since 2001. However, I can't wait to see Archer playing in Australia in 2021. Thank you, Tom. Excellent mm. bulletin, mate. Great stats. Jai Singh-esque, Bardo. Ooh, yeah, um, very, dare very we good. say it. Every one of our correspondents is really going hard on the stats front, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm on holiday, so I'm doing the bare minimum. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and it's great to see everybody else. You're in Thailand. Up, I'm off with the ferries. I'm, um, makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're just mainly here for the jokes now, Chris, I think. It's really taking <laughs> the pressure off us. Um, get more correspondence. Have an easier time. Just make more gags. It, yeah. it, it's all good. Um, 
I saw a fun stat today, Chris, which was that um, Steve Smith with a concussion has made more runs than Davey Warner in the series. Mm. Um, and uh, there were some hypotheses that we should just concuss David Warner um, to solve right. our batting woes at the top of the order. Uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe it's like that, those movies you see where somebody gets a hit to the head and all of a sudden they learn another language or, you know, um, something like that where you can, you can gain a range of skills <laughs> from a cheeky head knock. Uh, uh, maybe not. Well, <laughs> look, Pat, um, that certainly is a brainless analysis, so... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent wordplay, Bardo. Thank Excellent you. wordplay. Thank you. You host a podcast. No, um, I, I'm sorry. I can't support you in advocating uh, head injuries. Um, that's, no, you're right. Uh, that's, they're, they're really um, we need to lean... We'll let that one go through the keeper. Um, but... Yeah. Um, Look, some interesting points. Uh, and I think with, as we said at the top of the episode, with Steve Smith being ruled out uh, of the upcoming um, upcoming test, it does offer a reprieve for the Australian top order because Warner, Brancroft, mm. and I think to a lesser extent, Kawaja, I felt like, you know, he made a decent 40. I think, uh, was it in the first dig of this test match? Or the, sec- or the second innings, maybe? Um, yeah. Of the last one? Let me just check that. He only made 36. So, of the top three, he's the best performed, but both Bancroft and Warner have been underwhelming thus far. Um, I think it does offer... Certainly, those guys are a reprieve. Um, Travis Head's been okay. Uh, was okay in the first test. Um, Matthew Wade, obviously, coming off a century in the second innings in the first test, so it gets an excuse for his um, failings in, in this game. Uh, but... Um, Look, there's, there's an opportunity for someone to be a hero in the next test, Pat, Pat and I. I just yeah. wonder who it's going to be. I, I really hope that it comes in the form of Bancroft or Bancroft Warner or Kawaja because, as I've said before, one of the frustrating things I think for us is, as, as Australian cricket fans is that we just spent um, a summer in the wilderness uh, with um, our best performing batsmen in Smith and Warner not in the side and we really need to spend that time finding a hero and uh, and, and, and and strengthening our, our top six. And um, Indeed. We left Patterson and um, and Burns at home and they were two of our better performed batsmen in the Sri Lankan series. So uh, there's a bit of heat on this, on this top six to, to pull something out. Um, it was nice to see Labashain perform so well as the uh, inaugural uh, uh, substitute for, uh, for the... Cons- the concussion rule so um clearly that worked and mate, well we'll give credit where credit's due travis heads 42 in that second innings um where he batted 90 balls mm. was really what got us home and got us mm, the draw for sure. so we'll, we'll we'll give trav um credit for that speaking of um trav would you like to hear from spinksy would love it now, I'm mentioning again, folks, that Spinksy put this tape in before Steve Smith was excluded. So um, give him the benefit of the doubt if he uh, doesn't have that information in here. All right, let's get ready for some theme music, folks. Strap yourselves in. It's been raining for so long. Don't you go out in the rain. If anyone had told me a week ago that a game at the home of cricket, the closest thing to a batter's home in England, which had lost a day and a half of play to rain, would have had a fifth day that tense, I would not have believed them. Like David Warner's batting and fielding completely deserting him after the World Cup, I would have thought they were having a laugh. Spinksy McGill here, and isn't cricket a wonderful game? The peaks and troughs of momentum can swing as fast as a Mitchell Stark Yorker and hit you as hard as a Jofra Archer bouncer. As soon as you think you have the flow of a match pegged, it twists again to make a mockery of your expertise. I spent the first three days of playtime anguishing, properly anguishing, over Ben Stokes's long-form career to date. I must preface this with the statement that Ben Stokes, behind only Steve Smith and Kane Williamson, is one of my favourite cricketers on the planet. Able to bowl 90 mile an hour bullets and the ability to tonk and tickle any bowling oh, attack. Curious, you and I made the exact same face at each other then, which was, mm. huh, <laughs> that's a surprise. 
Mm. That's a surprising thing from Spinksy. Mm. Uh, Spend stokes. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, bit of a wrong actually. Um, <laughs> a bit of a wrong in there. Uh, I mean, he's a good cricketer. Don't get me wrong. He's a great cricketer. He, uh, there's no reason you shouldn't like him. I mean, absolutely. It's just kind of unexpected from Spinksy. Although, if we think about Alex Spinks, what we know is he's got a big thing for Trent Copeland. He loves Peter Siddle. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe in that vernacular, when you're thinking about it as those guys as being your favourite fast bowlers, maybe Ben Stokes fits in that world. It's just strange for me. And, you know, I say this as a ginger person. Um, mm. I, I, know the, I know the struggle. I know the life. Uh, that Spinksy, such a hardcore one-eyed Aussie supporter, would, would be in favour of a Kiwi from Kiwiland playing for England mm. and demolishing us. But... Um, he does make an excellent point. I mean, he's an incredible player to watch. Mm. Uh, good, great batsman. Ninety-five an hour, an hour mile an hour bowler. Um, sure. got a bit of chat, uh, and he's got a great left hook from Angan what I field. hear. So, Angan uh, Field. <laughs> Technically, there's no reason we shouldn't like him. He, he, that's a great point. He's he, he's very watchable. Um, but I just maybe don't. this is one of those cases. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure. with you. Sure. Maybe we should. Maybe we should convert to Spinksyism, but I'm with you, Chris. I just don't like him. Are we so out of touch? I just don't like him. Are we so out of touch? Are we? Are we? we? No, it's the children that are wrong. It's the children children that are wrong. wrong. It's the children that are wrong. Tickle any bowling attack around the ground with either power or skill, along with fielding abilities, rightly the envy of nearly every cricketer in the world. Stokes is the only current cricketer who has the potential to reach the heights of Jacques Callas. But at the moment, I thought... That's all it is. Potential. I know it's hard on Stokes comparing him to Callis, who objectively is the most complete cricketer that it's ever lived, just as it is hard on Steve Smith and comparing him to Bradman. But just like Smith, all the elements are there for him to be called the best of a generation, and I really want him to be that good. As it stands, Stokes sits close to Callis in the bowling department. He averages 33 and Callis averages 32, with Stokes falling just half a run behind on economy. And those are great stats for an all-rounder. Callis and Stokes fall into the batting all-rounder category, and those are great numbers for them. Bowling all-rounders like Richard Hadley, Imran Khan and Kapil Dev have better numbers but are nowhere near close with the bat. But it's with the bat. Carlos averages 55, godlike in the modern era, third only behind Kuma Sangakara and SPD Smith for 21st century batting greats. Devaroo. And Boges very much does not count, and I will screen that until my dying breath. Whoa. But Stokes is far behind with an average of 34. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> that is Sorry, mate. blatant a- disrespect. <laughs> Do you have a problem with that, Japel? Blatant disrespect. Adam Voges had there. one of the great late, late uh, career resurgences uh, of all time. If I was Adam Charles Voges, Voges, I'd be very upset with that analysis. <laughs> very upset. <laughs> 20 matches. You know, high score of 269 on. not out and an average of 61.87. Um, uh, that's a sample size. I'm just saying... I, I'm not saying it's the biggest sample size. I'm not saying he's the best batsman of all time. I'm not saying that. I don't think anyone is saying that. But I think to discount uh, Adam Voges' late career uh, resurgence, although I'm not sure you can call it a resurgence if you've never arrived. Um, <laughs> Surgence. His late career surgeons. He Chris. surged. It was a late career surge, he Pat. He surged. There we go. He was a surgeon. Um, and sure. uh, I'm not sure that that can be so easily discounted. Um, let's not forget that at one point, Pat, Adam Charles Voges held the record for the fastest 100 in one-day domestic cricket. Um, oh, wow. so, I didn't know that. Yeah, we can't, uh, we can't discount that. 64 balls um, for Western Australia oh, wow. uh, against New South Wales. I feel like it was at North Sydney Oval, but I could be wrong. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's a, that's a, a swipe. <laughs> An unnecessary Listen, sw- a swat outside of state. We have one... We have one draw here. We have one draw in a five-test series, and Spinksy comes out guns a blazing. Mm. He's starting to think he's the Joss Varacher of two for none. That's what he's. Uh, this that's is highly unusual. I tell you what. I tell you what. This is. This is. This <laughs> is. This, Chris? This is Luke Ronkiesk. This is. Oh. This is. I'm. I'm a little bit un. Uh, I'm perturbed, Pat. I'm perturbed. <laughs> Let me tell you why. 
Because this is, Why are you perturbed? This is our Australian correspondent here, Patrick. This is our Australian is. correspondent. First, he comes out and says, <laughs> Ben Stokes is his third favourite cricketer. Right? Right? As you said, yeah, as you said, a New Zealand born, New Zealand yeah. born, all-rounder, that's playing mm. for England. Um, See, so first he makes that aspersion. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, if there's one thing Australians love, it's an uh-huh. old bloke doing things. <laughs> right? We do love that. That's why we keep electing them as politicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It would make sense to elect a parliament of people that was a generally broad cross-section of the community. But we keep going for one guy. That's right. Every we time. go for old white, an old white guy. guy. He's the we one. We love old guys doing things. Yeah, right? And if there's it's one true. old guy that did things, it was Adam Charles Voges. And uh, there's a <laughs> record here. It's 20 test matches, Pat. Yep. It, it's not a flash in the pan. Um, it, it, it was. It's an elongated light vision is what it is. Um, Mate, it is a pad tie being made on the streets of Chiang Mai is what it is. Mm. Um, let, let, me, let me get back to Spinksy here. Let's see what else he's got in the locker. Far behind with an average of 34.75. Very good for an all-rounder. Subpar for a specialist batsman. And all-round disappointing for a player with a top score of 248 and the skills Stokes can sometimes display. This is all what I was thinking during this series and this test. A tidy 50 in the second innings at Edgebaston, a typical fourth innings failure next time round, followed by a sloppy 13 first innings at Lords. When the top order folded again in the third innings here, Stokes walked out and I thought, here comes wasted potential to the crease. But then, oh golly by then, such a wonderfully well-crafted century launches itself from Ben Stokes. Against quality bowling too, Australia did not gift this century to Ben Stokes. He tore it from them, and in the process made me feel like a right tool for ever doubting him. He is definitely going to be one for the history books. Speaking of history, this test was full of firsts for Wisden to record. An incredibly sombre first with the first red test in support of the Ruth Strauss Foundation, the late wife of former England captain Andrew Strauss, who tragically passed away just after Christmas last year. On the second scheduled day of the test, Lords turned red to support the foundation set up in her name, a la the pink test in Sydney for the Jane McGrath Foundation, and it was fantastic to see. Hopefully this will be an annual event, continuing to unite all cricketing teams for a greater cause. The second and third firsts are linked together, if not just linguistically. The MCC, for the first time in 205 years since they've been based at Lords, has evicted one of their members for misconduct, after said member abused Steve Smith in the members' pavilion when Smith was walking back to the sheds after being dismissed LBW for a brilliantly fighting 92, and having just returned to the field from a brutal hit to the neck from a Jofra Archer bouncer. Can I just join the throng of condemnational voices in saying that the booing, however tacitly endorsed by Joe Root and the English cricket team, had no place after such a return to the crease? I'm sure all of us watching had the sickening, gut-feeling return our minds to the tragic death of Philip Hughes, and anyone who still thought that sending boos and abuse Steve Smith's way at that moment is neither a fan of cricket nor a person of much character. Hold up, hey, Spinksy. I couldn't agree more with him there, Bardo. Mm absolutely disgusting i mean like when he was coming to and fro and people were booing we all we all got used to that right we knew it was going to happen started we talked about it before the world cup we were all like booing is going to occur but when he came out after he'd been hit after peter siddle got out and he came back after he'd been hit in the neck in the upper part of the neck which Mm. killed an australian cricketer in the last five years and the majority of the crowd did stand, but the people that booed are horrific. I mean, well, I, 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 yeah. I mean, Chris, we cheered, we applauded Graham Smith mm. when he came out with a broken hand to face Mitchell Johnson. Mm. As Australians, we we clapped, and we freak. Everyone hates Graham Smith. Graham Smith's and you know, <laughs> I don't know if nobody likes Smith. that bloke. Sure. You know, Graham Smith, come on. I mean, he wasn't engaged in ball tampering and he's a South African batting hero. Sure, 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 sure. But come on, we cheered Graham Smith. 
Yeah. Well, Graham Smith was certainly a, uh, a cricketing villain, if you like, because he was so good. Absolutely. Because he was so good. Um, look, I think... Um, Completely. I think any time you boo someone... I enjoy a good boo. I'm not going to tell you I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you I don't. Anyone that has You've been known ne- to boo, but Anyone that has sat next to me at the football knows that I boo. Um, it is, I can't say that I don't because that would be a lie. Um, but I think any time um, booing someone on the basis of um, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, um, uh, disability, um, injury... Uh, anything that is outside of being performance-based um, or mm-hmm. uh, in relation to the rules of the game is utterly pointless. And I think, um, you know, that some people would come back and, and say, well, you know, we're, we're carrying on from the sandpaper thing. But as you say, Pat, I think we've, made, you know, people have made their point. You know the booing was fine. It was funny, mm. but it, but but jokes get old, don't they? Jokes jokes get old. Absolutely. Um, so and I think again, if you it, it was um, again, if you wanted to return to booing when he's fit, because you still felt the sandpaper thing was funny and there was legs to go with that joke, then absolutely. But in that moment, um, you were clearly booing someone that was injured. Um, and unwell mm. and that's not okay so um, <clears throat> I think performance based booing or, or booing in relation to the game fine you pay your ticket as a, as a crowd member and um, uh, as long as you're, you're within the bounds of the law then fine you know it's, we live in a free country but uh, beyond that it, you know I, I think there's a, a, an element of decorum uh, and an expectation of behavior, I think, just because you buy a ticket to a sporting um, event doesn't give you the right to behave like a buffoon either because there are you are sharing that space with 50,000 other people. Um, so, uh, look, I, I think... And I think the other thing, as you say, Pat, is that in those instances, um, people that, that, uh, that carry on in that way um, reveal more about themselves than they do about the person that is... Is on the end of the treatment. Absolutely, so, Chris. Um, Absolutely. That's that, that's okay. You know, we just we carry on. We educate the public. We do what we can. Um, and uh, look, I think um, I'm I'm of the view that we don't we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, the, those that do are people as well. They're human. Um, we we disagree with their take, and we'll continue to engage them in a discourse. But I think that's the only thing that we can do. Well, Chris, that's a very healthy response, mate, and bloody good on you. Let's hear back from Spinksy. Our third first was the first concussion substitution in Test cricket. Marnus Lebeshane coming in for Smith in the fourth innings. The crew at ESPN Crick Info, my favourite cricket website, after day four, merrily mocked the thought that Lebeshane could possibly be a like-for-like replacement to Smith, and they were not alone. But oh boy, did he show them up. Lebeshane's innings displayed every reason why the Cricket Australia hierarchy value him and why he is county cricket's leading run scorer this season. He was also able to steal some headlines and insert himself into our armchair discussions, Steve Smith style, by remonstrating with Joe Root about his wicket, being dismissed by, dare I say it, a grassed catch by the English captain. I was going to speak at length about Joe Root's batting form, but assuming he scores another couple of sub-60 scores next test, I can leave that till then. Whilst this draw only helps Australia in their pursuit of retaining the replica urn, needing only one more victory in the remaining three tests, the momentum shift very much feels to be pointing towards England, and that can only mean the rest of the series will be bloody captivating as hell. Play me out, dragon. Thank you, Spinksy. You're a legend. You're a diamond. You're a gem. Um, excellent work, mate. I did not... You know what's interesting, Chris? Mm. And this is why I love our correspondents so much. You never know what's going to come out of their faces. You and I don't listen to those tapes before we just play them on air like madmen. Sure. Um, 
but what I love is you never know what's going to come out of their mouths. We don't expect Tom Hawkey to spend half of his bulletin telling us about David Warner. We do not expect um, Spinksy to spend half of his bulletin telling us about Ben Stokes. But this is the world that we live in, Chris. Um, this is the world that we live in. A, a couple of um, wonderful points there from Spinksy, and, and I agree mm. with them about momentum shift. I, I really feel like the momentum is with England, especially now Steve Smith has been ruled out. Um, but look, that, that second innings, Chris, and the way that we managed to hold on for the draw there was was exceptional um and i think that yeah labashane's innings you know he swept really well he played the spinners really well and joe leach had so much to the english side um he's such a better spinner than moeen um and i think the labashane and head seeing runs from those guys was great disappointing fact for me out of this test Chris outside of the horrific injury sustained by Stephen Smith Mm. and um, of course we are right there hoping for his Mm. speedy recovery Um, our other issues outside of that for me uh, uh, obviously the top three but I'm also a little worried I I was sad to see the English get the best of Matthew Wade in both innings and get the best of Tim Payne Um, Payne had a gritty 23 off 70 in that first dig after we lost Mm. a couple of quick wickets Um, but our middle to lower order did not look as strong Um, Wade and Payne both not making huge runs in in the second dig Mm. Um, I, I did want to say a, a sent a commendation though to Bancroft. He only made 16 in that second innings, but he made it off 40 balls at a time when an up and down pitch, Joffre Archer was bowling fire, Stuart mm. Broad was cutting him in twain repeatedly, and he really gutsed it out. So yeah. we need him to keep that guts and get some runs. And we need Payne, Wade, and Cummins in that, you know, six, seven, eight positions to solidify our lower order. Mm. Um, I think our bowling's really strong, Bardo, um, and and I'm really happy with that. I think our bowling attacks, we, we're spoiled for choice, but um, uh, there are big question marks over whether our top order, top middle and lower order will be able to put enough runs on the board in the next test. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I, I think that's what, the, what remains to be seen as we've touched on throughout the episode, Pat. Look, at the end of the day, um, and ideally you'd like to score 400 runs um, in most games uh, in your first innings. And, and when you score 400 plus in the first dig, in most cases you win. And you want at least 300 of those 400 runs to come from your top six. Uh, and that'll be, the t- that'll be the test. That'll be the challenge for our, our top six in the next game. As I said at the top of the episode, who's going to stand up? Um, will we see a return to form for David Warner? Uh, will we see a, a, a redemption and an arrival uh, of sorts for Cameron Bancroft? Um, will we see Usman Khawaja um, retain or recapture the form that we saw in the UAE and throughout the Australian... Well, towards the end of the Australian summer in, in, in any case. Uh, and then throughout the, the one-day series. I mean, let's not forget, yeah. it was only a few a few months ago how we were, we were um, lavishing praise on Usman Khawaja for his reverse sweeps. Um, and uh, particularly his performances in in India, um, so hopefully he can uh, capture that form again in, with the red ball. Um, so there's a few ifs and buts there. I think with the top order, um, look, there's certainly the, there's no issue in terms of the talent. Um, it's just a matter of whether it chooses to arrive. Pat, um, Manus Labuschagne. Um, look, I think one of the interesting things I'll say about Manus is um, his test average is not that impressive at the moment. It's only sitting about 26, but as we, as we say, it was a, a gritty 59 uh, that he made in the second innings there, coming in mm. in um, awkward circumstances. Um, I, think in really any, awkward. I think in any sport, when you come on um, as an inju- injury replacement, um, you usually come on at a time in the game when it's unexpected. Uh, and so for him to get his mind right um, uh, to be able to play an innings of, of that magnitude is, is a tremendous compliment to him. And one of the things that we also talk about quite often in this pod, Pat, is... is First-class averages for a batsman in the Australian top six. Yes, we would like to see an average of at least forty. That is that's About the 40, dream, Chris. right? We live in the dream. That's the dream. Well, Manus's first-class average is now uh, thirty-seven. Uh, I think a, just a tick below thirty-eight. So it's getting there. It's getting there. Ideally, you'd like it it's to be there. there before he made his Test debut, but you can't have everything. <laughs> you can't have everything. And his Test bowling average is a very handy twenty-seven. So. In terms I mean, of like for like, that's useful, isn't it? Yeah. So, so what we're looking for is a is a middle order batsman with some useful leggies, and this is about as close as you're going to get in terms of the touring party. Um, uh, look, 
so uh, if we can get similar performances out of out of uh, you know um, Labuschagne, and if Head can um, convert one of his good starts into a into a Test century, uh, and if Wade can recapture again his his good form, or even really not even recapture, just carry on. There's still a lot to be yeah, said for this Australian team. Early. Um, and we've shown that we can win... Uh, well, we showed we could win our test match um, without Steve Smith. Um, so, yeah. uh, hopefully we can repeat that performance. I think our bowling, as you said, has just been really spot on. And, and uh, the big question for me um, is what do we do with that third seamer? Um, I think there's certainly enough. Uh, uh, Siddle and uh, Cummins are, have done really well um, and, and are carrying yep. on okay. Um did you know that Paddy Cummins has actually equaled the top points scored by Glenn McGrath when Glenn McGrath was number one test bowler? Wow. Um, 914 points. So Paddy Cummins has, has broke a bit of a record mm. there. Um, not since Glenn McGrath has a bowler been bowling so well um, for Australia. So that's that's quite exceptional. Something to be um, said there. I'm with you there, Chris. You know, there's... <laughs> The bowling for us is, is is very solid. I think that the word that I've heard so far is that it's unlikely to be changed for the next test. They're going to go in with the same. Sure. Um, the temptation is to bring back Pattinson or to bring in Stark mm. to you know show that we have a 150-kilometer-an-hour kilometer an hour bowler to rival Jofra Archer. Mm. Um, but I think that's going to depend on conditions. As TK pointed out, the next test, which I believe is at Headingley um, in Leeds, it's correct, in Headingley starting on the 22nd of August, that the, the pitch there is a bit quicker. Mm. Um, and so they might bring in one of those fast men, but all indications seem to point to them keeping the same lineup. I, I think we've got to give a lot of credit again to Hey Little Diddle, Peter Siddle. Um, yeah, we you know, do. Two for 54 off, off of his 15 overs. It looked very, very miserly, very difficult to play. And if David Warner could catch... Um, but I, we've got 10 minutes before we wrap up the pod. So I'd really just like your opinion here. What's mm. going on with Davey? What's going on there, B-Train? Uh, can't catch, well, can't field, can't... What's going on, mate? Look, it's certainly a bit of a form dip. Um, and I think um, even if you go back to his performances prior to this, the South African suspension, his red ball form from memory wasn't that good. Um, so mm. it certainly is seemed, he a white ball only player now well I hope not I hope not um, I, I would back him in to recapture it uh, Justin Langer came out um, during the week and sort of said look he doesn't mind when great players have a run of lean scores because you know a big dirty fat one's not too far around the corner, around the corner. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully it's this one um, but um, certainly worth keeping an eye on I've Look, the question of who should fill the first slip is an easy one. Um, I, I think um, you, you have Wade. You have Wade. Surely. I mean, surely that's surely that's it. Warner is such an an electric fielder in the infield that uh, it would it makes great sense to me that that's where he would be. Um, one point I did want to make though, Pat, um, is um, look, yes, Nathan Lyon in the first innings was uh, delectable. He was fantastic in the first innings. <laughs> But uh, later on in the game, uh, it did seem as though uh, young uh, young Leach England took to him. Uh, had his measure. Mm. Uh, certainly in the mm. second dig, Leach was um, uh, pretty uh, pretty hard to play and took Very some key incredible. wickets. Um, yeah. uh, I think taking three for an Australia second innings and, and putting in, in England in a position where they might have won the game. Um, uh, and his the, his start to his Test career has been. Um, very, very promising. Uh, I think with an average of uh, just under 25 uh, in Test match cricket, uh, which is nothing to sneeze at for a left-arm orthodox uh, bowler. Absolutely. Um, yeah, interesting to see to see that performance, and and you'd have to probably hand the honours, I think, to to Leach in the spin bowling department for the last Test match. Um, which is saying something because, as I said, Nathan Lyon's performances up to that second innings were um, utterly uh, spectacular. Um, so that's something that's something to keep an eye on. I think England have finally started to get their test selection right. Um, although I, I would be inclined to, um, no, I would not be inclined to take the captaincy off Joe Root, but I would be inclined to, to switch out the gloveman uh, and, and give the gloves back to Joss Butler. I'm yet to hear a, a valid explanation as to why that's happening. Um, but hey, it's, it's not for me to say. Um, mate, as I, I know, said mate, in the group chat, Johnny Bairstow couldn't catch a cold. 
you know that mm. bloke he's a, he's a shocker um yeah yeah he he drops he, he's just yeah he's not good um get him out get him out get him out get him mm. out i think he made some runs but uh, you know we'll leave england selection to, to england butto um uh, can you see outside of Labashane coming in mm. can you see any other changes happening for the next test butto before we start to wrap up this podcast look i think they're they're only changes that you would really think about is you know is it worth playing Marcus Harris uh, at the top of the order I, I don't think that will happen um, for the sake of continuity um, and uh, in terms of the the pace bowling look I would like to see James Pattinson play I think while he's fit and firing he should be selected um, but yeah Jace, John uh, John Hazelwood Josh Hazelwood certainly did nothing wrong uh, and in that first innings looked uh, looked again pretty irresistible so um we're pretty sport for choice as you said in the um in, in the fast bowling stocks the one thing i would say is that the key thing for australia to remember is that it's not necessarily about matching like for like or proving that we have the faster bowler it's about proving that we have a bowling unit that can take 20 wickets uh and whatever Correct. that bowling attack's going Correct. to be um, then that's the one that we have to take in, into the test. Uh, and I think it, it may be that we don't find out until Thursday morning um, to, as to who's going to be yeah. part of the 11. And while we're on this topic, Bardo, that we've got to remember too that we are still ahead here and that Australia is more than Stephen Smith. You know, a couple of mm. our English mates were making jokes like Steve Smith must have a sore back. Hope he's seeing the chiropractor from carrying this team, um, which was good sledging and, and very funny. Thank you, Poms. Um, but nonetheless, we are more than this one bloke. And if anything, it's a great time for our other players to band together to show Steve that while he's on the sidelines, that the team's okay. You know, that that we can we can pull together and we can do it for each other as much as as doing it for you know for one bloke who's able to be a freak and 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 bat on a level which is truly mind-blowing like like steve smith is so um there's been a little air of panic around the australian setup and and us as australian supporters following this test following how far england pushed us and following how epic this game was um and I think we've just got to, and I know Justin Langer would be this sort of guy, to keep our heads on a swivel, to stick to the basics, do the basics well. You're exactly right, Chris, to pick the guys who are going to take 20 wickets and to make sure everybody's feeling confident, good about their games, and to go out there and just freaking smash the palms. Just freaking smash them, Bardo. That's, that's how I feel. Mm. That's where I'm at heading into this next test at Headingley. Look, I don't think you'll find too many Australian supporters that uh, disagree with your assessment there, Patrick. One thing's for sure, mate, it's going to be scintillating viewing and uh, I can't wait. Me either, Chris. Me either. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. That's where we'll wrap it up. Big thank you to Spinksy and Tom, who both got in wonderful work this week, doing excellent stuff, boys. Um, TK, we want to know who you'd like to take over from Joe Root. Spinksy, we got to talk to us more about your basically your entire life and justify some choices that we sledged you about. Why do you hate so, Adam Voges so much? <laughs> What's your problem with Voges, Spinksy? He's What's a good man. He's a great man. Get around, Voges. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't liked, rate, and subscribed to the podcast, please do that. Please share it with your friends. Get around it. If you know anybody who needs some advertising and wants to throw some money at a couple of blokes who love cricket, then do so. Um, get in touch. You can get in touch with us at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. But oh, that's about the end of it, mate. Any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Um, no, I've got the I've got the the twinings, um, the um, bushels. Um, any tea brand you can name I'm excited for Thursday I'm excited for another five days of late night viewing early morning rising sleep deprivation um, on this never ending summer of cricket um, (laughs) which started in October last year um but what a crescendo we're coming to, Pat. What a crescendo. It's building nicely. What a crescendo, and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mate, thank you so much for joining me. Next time we talk, I will be on Australian soil. Can you believe it? Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. You're a bunch of legends. And as per usual, I only have one thing to say. Go to the
with my silver chain He said I'll give you one dollar I said you've got to be joking man It was a present from my mother He said I like it, I want it I'll take it off your hands and you'll be sorry You cross me, you better understand that you're alone 